You're listening to the podcast for Asbury United Methodist Church. Join us every Sunday for worship at 8.30 or 10.45. Find out more at asburybosier.org. It's good to be here with you today as we continue our sermon series on the prodigal. I am especially excited to be here today because if I'm here, I'm not at home packing boxes. So that's a wonderful thing, uh, and I'm glad to see all of you here as well. So today we continue our series. To remind you where we have been so far, we started by taking a bird's eye view of Luke's gospel as a whole. And we recognize that it is written by a Gentile. And so it focuses on those who are outside being invited into God's kingdom and also being honored in the process. It's known as the gospel of the nobodies. And then we jumped into Luke chapter 15, where Jesus responds to a claim made by the Pharisees and the scribes that this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. To which Jesus responds with these three parables, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost or the prodigal son. So last week, we looked through the eyes of the younger son, who you remember, he demanded his inheritance, but finds himself in a distant land, having squandered all that he has. He's working as a hired hand, as a slave, and he's feeding the pigs. His relationship to the father at this point is completely broken. He is shamed, he's humiliated, he is unclean, and he is unwelcome. And in a moment of awakening, he comes to himself and decides to get up and to turn home, to confess his sins, and seek to be restored with the Father, not as a son, but as a hired hand. And so it's there that we pick up the story. In Luke chapter 15, the second part of verse 20, reading through verse 24. While he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, quickly bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, put sandals on his feet. Get the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So in the parables of the sheep and of the coin, the focus wasn't just on what was lost, although that is important, but the focus was shifted onto the fact that there must be a celebration for a sinner who repents. And Jesus tells us that there is more joy in heaven, there is more joy among the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And so this parable of the prodigal son becomes for us the image of what repentance looks like. To turn around, to confess our sin, to seek restoration of that broken relationship with the Father. Now, the response of the Father reminds us that our failures do not define us. God does. So we can talk about the son being prodigal, meaning extravagant or reckless, and he is. 
But when we look at the response of the father, the father is just as, if not more, prodigal than the son. God's grace is certainly extravagant and reckless. The son has brought great shame on the father. In fact, he's brought great shame on his entire family. And hold on to that idea for next week when we get to the story of the older brother. Yet while he is still far off, the father sees him. In other words, the father has not ever given up. He's waiting. He's longing. He's searching. He's hoping that his son will return. So we see the brokenness of that relationship between the son and the father, but we also see the extent of the father's love for his child. There is nothing so broken that God cannot make whole again. What we sometimes miss in this parable is that the son's moment of awakening, if you remember, he desires to be reconciled to the father, but not as a son, only as a hired hand. He did not believe that he was worthy of being restored and received and redeemed by the father to be called son. So notice when the father greets him and the son begins his rehearsed confession that he probably said to himself over and over on the way back home, the father cuts him off. I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Quick, get the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger. Put sandals on his feet. Prepare a feast. The father welcomes his son home with a banquet in his honor. Now, if you remember the story of the woman who walks into the room while Jesus is dining at the home of a Pharisee, and I've told this story the last couple of weeks, she begins to anoint Jesus' feet. And the Pharisee points to Jesus, doesn't talk to Jesus, only talks about Jesus, if he knew what kind of woman this was, for she is a sinful woman. And Jesus turns to the Pharisees and says, I came here and you offered me no water for my feet. I came here, you offered me no kiss, you did not anoint my head with oil. Yet this woman has bathed my feet with her tears, she has dried them with her hair, she has not stopped kissing my feet, and she has anointed me. In other words, she honored me and therefore I honor her. In Luke chapter 14, so right before we get to the story of the prodigal son, Jesus is again eating at the home of a Pharisee. Do you see a trend here? And he teaches us about this idea of table fellowship. First, Jesus says, sit at the lowest place. Don't sit in the place of honor. It's always better to be moved up into a place of honor than to sit in the place of honor and be told to move and you might be familiar with what Jesus says, for all who exalt themselves will be humbled. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. And the second thing Jesus teaches is, don't just invite your relatives and your rich neighbors to eat with you so that they might simply return the favor. Invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Honor those that cannot repay you because God will honor you for doing so. Now, while this new economy of God that Jesus is teaching is certainly good news for some, there are others, think of the older brother, 
who simply cannot accept a world in which such prodigal love and prodigal grace exist. There's one more twist in Luke's gospel to this idea of being honored. Do you remember when Jesus is arrested and Judas brings the Roman soldiers to him to arrest him? And the sign that Judas chooses to acknowledge the one that they should arrest is a kiss. It's a sign of honor. And before he can even do so, Jesus turns to Judas and says, Is it with a kiss? Is it with a sign of honor that you betray me? The irony of what Judas is doing. Now you might recall last year I offered a sermon series on the hymn Amazing Grace, and it's a fascinating story that we spent several weeks walking through. It's the story of John Newton who wrote those words. And we talked about how he was drafted into the slave trade at an early age, and in his own words, he became a great blasphemer. But we also followed his story from one whose behavior even other sailors found quite shocking to living out his life as an Anglican priest. And so as he prepared for a New Year's Day service one year, he wrestled with the same question that King David wrestled with towards the end of his life. Who am I? It's a great question to ask yourself. Who am I? And he determined the only answer, the only possible answer to that question was that God's grace must be amazing to save a wretch like him. And then he penned the words, I once was lost, but now I'm found from the, pro from the story of the prodigal son. I was blind, but now I see from the story of the beggar who is healed also in Luke's gospel. John Newton recognized that he was once a prodigal in need of God's grace. Now, we don't have to commit atrocious acts or live like a sailor or hit rock bottom to be in need of God's grace. We don't need to be so far removed from God that we find ourselves in a far-off land feeding pigs, essentially living life as a street beggar. Any one of us can find our relationship with God broken or distant and find ourselves in need of God's amazing grace. A few years ago, I took my youth group uh, down to Dulac, Louisiana every year for mission work down there, even further south than Suzanne and I will be going uh, next week. And our theme this particular year was to talk about our relationship to God. It seems simple enough. And the illustration that I used the first night we were there was for them to imagine if God were sitting in one corner of the room, where would you place yourself? Would you be close to God or would you be far away? Now, I figured they'd all be in different places, and they were, but what astounded me to this day was that a couple of those kids not only placed themselves in the opposite corner to where God was, but they then turned around and faced in the opposite direction. Because they not only did not see God in their lives, they not only believed that they were a long way away from where God was, but they believed they were heading in the opposite direction, and they didn't know how to turn around. It would be easy for any of us to look at the story of the prodigal son and dismiss it. Because maybe we feel like we're one of the 99. Maybe we feel like we are safe and secure and have an assurance about our relationship with God. But I ask you this morning, what about those that maybe you know in your life 
Maybe people you work with, even people in your family who you know that their relationship with God is broken. You know that they are distant from God. You know that they need to know of God's grace. You know that they need to know that they can turn around and that they will find a God who waits for them with open arms. Not just to welcome them, not just to receive them, not just to invite them into God's kingdom, but to honor them with a banquet because there must be a celebration for one who repents. So on this Father's Day weekend, we recognize all of those who have fulfilled the role of father in our lives. And we celebrate that. But we also have to acknowledge those for whom this is not an easy day, for any number of reasons. So let us all be reminded that God loves each one of us, all of God's children, extravagantly and recklessly. A father in heaven who longs to honor us, to restore us, to redeem us to throw a banquet in our honor. You know, maybe this parable in Luke chapter 15 should really be called the parable of the prodigal father. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks for all that you have done in each of our lives. We give you thanks for your grace, for your mercy, for your goodness, for your kindness, for your invitation to the table for all of your children. Help us to hear it. Help us to receive it. Help us to live into it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.